I'll go pray, and then we're going to start, and then um, I'll tell you where to open your Bibles to. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, you actually want to get one. But I'll tell you where to do it. But anyway, uh, yeah. Dear Lord God, just thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you for the worship this morning. Uh, just thank you, yeah, that we can come and praise you day in, day out, because of Jesus. Thank you, that because of Jesus, we can come close to you, we can come before you. Um, not just full of fear and being completely scared of you, but we can come before you more much. Jesus has paid for us. Jesus has made a way for us to walk in. Jesus has made a way that we can just boldly approach you. Not as a big scary God that we think is just going to slow us down, but as a heavenly Father that loves us and cares for us. Um, yeah, we just thank you for that, Lord. We just pray that you would use your spirit today to speak to your people. Thank you, Lord, put your spirit in each one of us, but we pray that you would just speak by uh, your spirit into each one of us. Just ask us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Today, we're starting a new, like a mini-series, like a series within a series. Uh, John's already walking away. Oh no, <laughs> it's that bad. I've said about six words. Um, so we're doing a series within a series. So our current series is like one another. So it's how uh, we see what God's done for us and how that translates to loving each and every one of you around us. How we love each other. Um, and how we serve each other in like what God's done. But this mini-series, which is going to happen, I think it's going to happen once a month. There's going to be four series, uh, four messages, which is talking about... This needs to be clipped differently. That's oh, there. is it too loud? It's sort of... Hold my coffee. How's that? Thank you. Is that better? Is that better? Am I not as loud? I feel like my dad was getting me ready for school, you know, <laughs> just like, here's how you tie your first tie. <laughs> um, You're not... welcome, son. <laughs> Cheers, pops. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we're, so we're doing this like mini series within a series. So I want another series focuses, we've had two, two messages on that. That focuses on how we see what God's done for us and how that means we love and serve each other around us. Uh, but the little series within that is called the God Help Me series, because uh, we all need help, um, especially from God. Um, and that's about how we're meant to relate to God. Because if we aren't staying connected to God, if we aren't growing in our own faith, how are we going to love and serve each other well? If we're loving each other and serving each other in the name of Jesus, but not actually spending any time with him, not actually working on it, we're not going to do well. We're not going to serve each other properly in love. We're not going to serve each other the way that God has loved us. And so this mini-series, which is going to happen like once, once a month, um, is going to look at four different ways that we can work on our relationship with God, different ways that we can uh, yeah, grow in our faith. Um, and today we're going to look at God help me delight in your word. It should be up on the screen. There we are. I'm just checking because I'm really not, I can't see anything. Um, so we're looking at God help me delight in your word. Um, God help me delight in the words that you've given us. And we're going to unpack a bit about what God's word is, what's in it. Um, we're going to unpack a little bit some of the struggles that we face with his words, with his word, um, why we struggle to read his word. And we're going to talk a, a bit more also practically how we can enjoy God's word, how we can delight in God's word, how we can actually delight in it. Um, but before we get into all that, um, I'm going to talk about dessert for a little bit. Because <laughs> um, when I think of this word delight, right, when I think of the word delight, the first thing that springs to my mind is angel delight. <laughs> Who raise your hand if you've ever eaten an angel delight? Raise your hand, keep it raised if you like angel delight. Keep it firmly up if you think it's the worst thing in the world. I'm glad it's not just me. Anyway, um, so I think when I think of the word delight, right, I think of angel delight, I think of the pudding. It's like a weird mixed up mousse type stuff with milk. I think it's really gross. And my mum used to serve it to me all the time as a kid. Um, 
And that's the thing, as a dessert, it's something that's given to you, it's something you're meant to enjoy, take delight in, hence the name. Um, you're meant to enjoy it, it's meant to be something that is a, a nice thing for you. But I hate it, I hate the stuff, I can't stand it. Um, and every time my mum would give it to me, I think, oh man, not this again. I've had it so many times, I'm so bored of Angel Delight. Rather than actually enjoying it, I thought like, oh man, it feels like something I've just got to get through, something I've just got to do because I know my mum served me food, or just to keep my mum happy. You know, a lot of just like, mum, will you be happy with me? Can I go play with my Lego if I eat my dessert? Um, that's basically what happened in my childhood, was dessert and Lego. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I used to hate it. I felt like, oh, I just got to get through it. I just got to do it to please my mum, eat it to please my mum. Just thought there was better things out there, better desserts, you know. I'm so bored of this, can't I have something else? And the reason I'm bringing this up, not because I want to just share my childhood, but it, it makes me think of, like, sometimes do we treat God's word the same way that I treat angel delight? <laughs> you know, something that we know is put, that's given to us, something we know is supposed to be good for us, something we know we're supposed to enjoy. If anyone's been a Christian for five minutes, we know that, we're meant to enjoy God's word and get stuff out of it. But sometimes we like, eat it. We don't eat the words. Eat your Bible. Um, but sometimes we have it and we just think, oh, it's just so boring. i just got to get through this. I know that if I read my Bible, then maybe God will be happy with me. You know, I've got to keep in God's good book. So I keep in the book. Um, you know, or you just think, oh, there's so much better things out there than uh, God's word. I want to go off and do that. And we struggle with it. We struggle so many ways um, with God's word. We struggle so many reasons uh, when we come to read it. And maybe I've missed some. You probably know your main struggle with the word, your main struggle of why you don't want to go to it, why you don't want to read it. And the first thing on your handout, if you can see it, it's really tiny. I printed it super small, sorry. Um, I just want this to take like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, to think why do we struggle to read God's word. What is the thing that you personally struggle with, with God's word? I think for me, a lot of it is that laziness. That's probably my big one. Just kind of lazy and like, oh, I don't really want to do it. Am I really going to get much out of it? Um, that's kind of my big one. So jot that down. But yeah. And we're going to use Psalm 1 today. We're going to open our Bibles to Psalm 1. And we're going to see why and how and what. We're going to see that. Sorry. We're going to see why we can delight in God's word. Why we should seek to enjoy God's word. We're going to look at what happens when we actually do enjoy God's word. When we take the light in it. When we come to it consistently. And we're going to look at actually what it means for us to properly delight in God's word. What is the implications from continually reading God's word, reading our Bibles, what it actually means for us. And all of these points, they should be on your handout. They should be maybe up there, if I've done my PowerPoint right. But all of these points can be summed up in this main point, which is the, kind of the big idea, the big thing, is that we can delight in God's word because through God's word we can know him. I went on a, uh, that's the main point, and I went on a conference this week, and a guy in the last session pretty much just summed it up like this. I was like, oh, cool, I'm borrowing that. Um, there's a guy called Nick Turner. He's a pastor from Birmingham. He says, the purpose of studying the word of God is to know the God of the word. And I'm like, at first I was like, oh, maybe I could get away with just saying that, but I was like, no, I've got to credit him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But that's it. That's the main point. And if you don't listen to a single thing after this, which I encourage you to do, but if you take one thing away, is this, is that we come to God's word and we can enjoy it because we can know God through it. He is the one that we get to know through it. And so if you want to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 1, um, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and Anasha will come and bring it over to you. Um, but turn in your Bibles to Psalm 1. Um, if you can't find it, look in the contents page. Um, it will be P-S-A-L-M. Uh, and it's the first one. So we're going to read that. Um, we're going to read that together. 
And if you can't find it, yeah, look in the contents page. You'll just ask the person next to you. Sometimes, even if we're, if we're new here, you don't really buy, read your Bibles much. Or even if you're a Christian, you're just like, I don't really know where anything is in the Bible. Don't be embarrassed to like check the contents page. It takes a long time to get used to the word or where everything is. Cool. But this is Psalm 1, right? It says this. It starts this way. Um, I need to get it open. <laughs> Lots of faffing. All right. Apologies for this. I should have got it ready when I was saying everyone turned to Psalm 1. Anyway, <laughs> right, book 1, Psalm 1, says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Yet the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. And therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at the first bit, is why we should seek to delight in God's word. Why we should seek to delight in God's word. And the psalm starts with this word, blessed. Blessed is the man. And blessed is quite a Christian word. It's a concept word. Like, you can't physically be like, this is blessed right there. It's one of them things, it's kind of like a thing. It's a poor explanation, but I'll explain it a bit more, don't worry. But yes, um, it says blessed is the man. Blessed is the one. Blessed can mean, like, happy. If you look in the original, original Greek, um, Blessed can be translated as happy. And it's this idea of like happiness and satisfaction, fulfillment, contentment. Just this feeling of, oh man, I'm really, you know, really blessed. Like, you know when you had a good Christmas and everyone's come around, you've got all the presents you wanted and all of that stuff, and you're like, oh man, I had such a blessed Christmas, you know? Because you feel like I was satisfied, I was fulfilled. I had a Christmas that made me like really happy, really fulfilled. And this is kind of the thing that we think. You know, we all like the idea of blessed. We all like the idea of feeling blessed or feeling content, feeling fulfilled in the stuff that we have. And we nearly stood in the hole. Um, yeah, and we all long for happiness. We all long for satisfaction. We all long for that fulfillment, a fulfillment that lasts. And we all look to delight in something or find something to enjoy that will bring us happiness, bring us contentment, bring us satisfaction. And a reason for this is that it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says this, right? It says, he has also, he being God, has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So God has put a longing in our heart. God has set eternity in our hearts. He's put something in our hearts that makes us long for something more, makes us long for fulfillment makes us long for satisfaction. Because eternity lasts for, in, in, eternity. It lasts forever. And God's put that in us. We all want that. We all want something that lasts. We want to have something that lasts. And the psalmist contrasts by saying two different ways in which we look for this. First he says, he says, blessed is a man, and he lists out three different things which we shouldn't do. The one who is blessed is not the one who walks in the counsel of the wicked, not the one who stands in the step with the sinners, or sits with the scoffers. He says the blessed one is the one that delights himself in God's word. And he lays out them two contrasts, and we're just going to look at them a little bit just to see what that means. Because when it comes to the counsel of the wicked, the things he says, don't delight yourself in these, these things aren't going to make you happy. It's kind of like Christian language where you're kind of like, I don't really get what you're on about. It says, the way to be blessed is not to be in the counsel of the wicked, to not stand with the sinners, to not sit with the scoffers. These things aren't going to make you truly blessed. And what these words mean is this. The counsel of the wicked refers to the advice that we hear, the advice that we follow. You know, 
There's so much around us at the moment. There's so much advice and telling you this is going to make you truly happy. This is going to fulfill you. This is going to make you feel like, you know, this is the things that are going to last. Whether it's like, you know, big enough house, better job, more money in your bank account. Oh, if you just, uh, if you just go and work more hours of your day, get more money, then you'll be truly happy. Then you have enough money in your bank account to retire. Then these things are going to last. These are the things that are going to truly make you happy. Or even things like, you know, if you just, uh, if you just lose a load of weight, then that will make you truly happy. You're not your true self, you know. You need to lose some weight, then you'll be happy. That's gonna what's going to last. That's what's going to make you fulfilled. Or the advice that says you're not going to be truly happy unless you're in a relationship, unless you're married, you've got kids, you've got all of these things. There's so much advice that we have around us that tells us, you know, you're not gonna be truly happy until you get these things. And I don't wanna condemn people. Like, if you have these things, if you have money in your bank account, if you are married, you have a nice car, that's all right. Like, God does give physical blessing. And I don't, wanna, I don't want you to go away thinking, oh no, I've got all this stack of money and now I'm a bad person. Um, but the thing is, it's when that becomes our hope, when the things of this world become our hope, when we think, this is what will make me truly happy. If you have these stuff, praise God, God has blessed you. He does bless in the physical. But it's when you start putting, these are the things I'm going to pursue first. These are the things that I'm going to sacrifice my friendships, my relationships. These are the things I'm going to reject God over and think, this is going to make me happy. This is what I'm going to pursue to no end. We follow the counsel of the wicked. It just says, these are the things you should follow after. And it says, when we stand in step with the sinners, which is the way that we act, the way that we behave. Are we just going to do what, actually, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what makes me feel good. I'm going to do what makes me feel happy. There's so much of just being like, oh, yeah. I'm going to do what makes me happy. I'm going to do what makes me feel good. I'm going to do what brings me the most amount of pleasure in this life, in this, in this thing. Or it says sitting with the scoffers, which reflects our identity. Who do we want to be? I'm going to be who I want to be to make myself happy. Only when I'm my true self, when I'm, I found out who I am and I've got rid of the bad people in my life and I, you know, or the toxic people or all of these things and I find my true identity, then I'm going to be happy. This is what we pursue. These are the things that we look after to make us feel blessed. And we hear it all around us. There's so much of it around us. But that's not the way we should be. That's not the way that we should look for blessing. These things are going to, they're going to not last. They're going to run out. You get a nice fancy car, it gets written off when you turn out of church today. Praying that doesn't happen. (laughs) You know, your money runs out. Your looks fade. You know, your husband or your wife leaves you. These things we're praying that don't happen to us, but they're things, very real things that happen. You're looking, we probably all know someone that's lost their job, lost their wife, husband, you know, lost all their money in a bad investment. And it's when we put our hope in these things and think this is what's going to make me truly happy. They don't satisfy and they don't last. They run out. So if these are what is not going to make us blessed, these are the things that aren't going to make us satisfied and happy, then what does? Well, as I said earlier, it's knowing God. See, God has given us his word to know him. God is the only one that truly lasts. God is the only one that truly satisfies us. God is the only one that really can fulfill that thing within us, that longing for more, that longing for love, that longing for satisfaction, complete fulfillment. And this is a fulfillment and a satisfaction that's going to go long beyond this life. As we said, it's into eternity. John said it a couple of weeks ago. He said, the greatest thing God can give us is himself. And through his word, that's how we get to know God. And when we get to know God, we get to know what God offers us. 
the abundance of blessings that God offers us. I've just written a few, few of them down. You know, he offers us freedom from sin and guilt and shame. He gives us a love that lasts, not based on our own abilities. He gives provision when we need it. He gives us a hope for the future beyond this life. He gives us hope. He gives us joy in our circumstances where everything else falls apart. And in his word, he gives us instruction on how to live well. He gives us instruction on how to actually live a life that's not only pleasing to God, but that benefits us. It benefits us. But the things of this world do leave us empty and wanting more. But God is enough to satisfy us eternally. But I'm wondering, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, so often we let distractions of this world, we let the things of this world, we let them distract us. We let them be the things we look after. But is it because we don't spend much time in God's word to know what God offers? I was thinking about it like this, right? If I, I live with Josh Lactose, AV man at the back, hello. <laughs> if uh, Josh loves pizza, right? If I, if I only ever went to Pizza Hut and bought John, John? Josh, uh, a pepperoni pizza every time, every time I brought it back and said, the only thing you've got is pepperoni, and he never went to Pizza Hut to figure out there was more pizza, he'd be satisfied with what he has. Josh says, only pepperoni pizza. That's all, I swear, that's all Pizza Hut has to offer. Don't look at their menu. Trust me. And Josh will sit there thinking, oh yeah, Pizza Hut is great. Pepperoni pizza. Then he goes down there himself and he's like, Roy, you've lied to me my whole life. What is this completely great set of pizzas? Stuffed crust. Barbecue. Actually, Josh hates barbecue, so he would never be joyful about that. Mega, Mega cheese, all of this stuff. And this is the thing, so often we, we pursue the things of the world and we pursue happiness in those things around us because that's all we see. And we don't actually spend much time in God's word to see this is what I have to offer you. So often we look at the things of the world as evil. And to some degree they are. But I was at a conference, I keep mentioning it, it was last week, that's why I was super blessed. They basically said so much stuff that I'm like, cram that in my sermon. <laughs> It's not stealing if it's in God's kingdom, right? <laughs> I can't believe I said that on record. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Um, anyway, uh, one of the things that they said that was really encouraging or quite interesting, quite eye-opening, is that when the world and education offers, like, these things are going to make you happy, these things are going to make you blessed, when people say these things, they're not always doing it to be evil, but it's because they don't have a better alternative to offer. When people say, oh, just do what makes you feel happy, we're like, man, that's selfish living. But if, you're, if they're living without a God and they don't have a, any hope in anything else, they're not doing that to be evil to you. They just don't have a better alternative. And God has given us a better alternative through his son Jesus, and that alternative is him, which is what we're meant to have. We need to spend more time in God's word to know actually what God's got to offer. And so we can actually choose and pursue the things that are going to last, that are going to give us satisfaction. And I've put down some challenge points at the end there, the end of the first point on your handout, just to think about. Take these handouts away, just to read. But is this, the two things are this. Do we spend so little time in God's word that we don't know what God has to offer? And the second point is, are the things that we're choosing, are the things that we're saying, I want to pursue this over God, are these things really going to make us happy? Are they really going to last? Are they really going to make us fulfilled? See, this is why, it comes back to the first point, why we can seek delight in God's word, because we can know him and know him eternally, and he fulfills that longing for more that we have. So that's the why we should seek God's word. We're now moving on to the what, the what happens when we delight in God's word. Verse 3, it says this. He is like a tree, he being the blessed one, the one who delights in God's word. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, and it yields fruit in its season, 
and its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does, he prospers. So the tree represents us. The tree represents those that delight in themselves in God's word. And I know that I've skipped out verse 2. I've just realized that, where it talks about day and night consistency. It says that we need to meditate on God's law day and night. We need to delight in that. And don't worry, there's a reason I skipped that out, because I'm going to revisit it at the end in some real practical application bits. So don't just think, oh, Rory doesn't want to talk about that. There is a reason. But yeah, but just to briefly sum that up, it means consistency. We've got to consistently be in God's word. But anyway, onto the trees. The tree in this metaphor that the psalmist is saying is the blessed one, is the one who delights in God's word consistently. The tree represents those that are in God's word. The stream represents God's word. And see, quite often we give up reading God's word because we don't think we're growing, we don't think it's changing us. We can't see like immediate growth straight away. And we're like, oh man, this, God, I don't think you're working. God, you must be doing nothing. And then we lose motivation so quickly and we stop. And it's why, it's, it's interesting because that's what our natural heart to things. But this is why we're meant to be like trees, right? Because I've put here the stress for a tree. <laughs> See, a tree that is planted, right? Trees don't stress out, do they? Have you ever met a stressed tree? I don't think so. Have you ever met many trees that you've talked to and got to know? I don't think so. Anyway, right? You get like these 400-year-old oak trees. They don't just think, oh man, I didn't get to 400-years-old oak tree in one day. Let's give up. Do you? They don't do that. A tree doesn't stress about growing. It doesn't stress about, oh man, I've got to be like this big in a day. And if not, I'm just going to give up. You know, a tree is planted. It's rooted. It trusts in its process. Drink all the nutrients, get it into my roots, and then eventually I'll grow. It doesn't stress itself out. It trusts the process of receiving from the stream, receiving what it needs to grow. And the natural progression of that is it does grow. And this is why we're meant to be this way. We're meant to be connected to God's word. We need to be trusting in the promises that God says that he will grow us, he will change us. Two verses here, Philippians 1 verse 6, this is Paul speaking to the church of Philippi. He says, I am sure of this, he, being God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. And 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we, with all unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit, is the spirit. We're not meant to stress ourselves out with growth. What happens when we stay connected regularly to God's word? The natural progression is growing. When you're a child, right? And I'm sorry if some of you grew up to be really short. This might, I'm not trying to offend you here. Um, but when you're a child, right? Sometimes you wanted to be taller. You're like, oh, I really can't wait till I'm tall so then I can get the biscuits off the top shelf that mum tries to hide. And like, you wanted to be taller, and that's a, that's a good thing, but you couldn't just force yourself to be taller unless you went on a weird torture stretching rack things like Guy Fawkes, but that wasn't good for him. Um, anyway, we can't force ourselves to be taller, can we? But we just naturally grow. And one day you're like, actually, I can reach that biscuit jar. I ain't going to tell mum I'm nicking all the biscuits, but I can do it. Um, don't steal, it's not good. Um, but this is it, we naturally grow. We naturally grow, it's just something that happens to us. And yes, we want to be taller, and yes, we want to grow as Christians. There's a good desire to grow as a Christian. It's good to desire that growth in Jesus to become more like him. But that's something that we're meant to do gradually. That's something we're meant to do consistently by coming to God's word and knowing him. The more that we know him, the more he's going to change us to be like him. And we trust in that promise that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And so that's the thing. We will grow. We need to just trust the promise. But we need to trust the promises of God that he is changing us, that he wants to grow us. He doesn't want to leave us where we're at. And from that, naturally produces fruit. You know? It says the fruit is yielded in its season. 
We can't force fruit in our lives. We can't just, like, apple trees don't just go, and squeeze out apples, do they? I don't know if an apple tree would go like that, but they don't. And if an apple tree doesn't produce apples like when you want it to, you don't just cut it down, do you? You think, oh, no, it's got a season to produce fruit. And the same with us. Is that just because we're not thinking, oh, man, I'm, I'm bearing so much fruit. Look at me. Look at me go. Bless, bless, bless. <laughs> because we're not doing that, it doesn't mean we're not growing. It doesn't mean God's not changing our hearts. It just means it's not the right time for us to bear fruit. And we're always bearing fruit because we're always growing in our knowledge and love of Jesus when we're reading his word. But we're not just forcing it out. We're not meant to just force the fruit into the world. And fruit is meant to benefit others. Apple trees don't eat their own apples. You know? They don't just, like, pick one off from under their armpit and just, like, have a munch. That's not what happens. The fruit benefits others. The fruit benefits those around us. You know? And people see that fruit within you. People point out that fruit in you. This is why we're looking at the One Another series. We see God growing. God's hopefully growing us through his word. And the one another, the way that we love one another, serve one another, treat one another, that is fruit. That is fruit from knowing God and knowing his word that we demonstrate to each other to benefit each other, not to benefit ourselves. And naturally from that, we're going to grow in a love for God. And we see that fruit in different seasons. Sometimes you might think, oh man, I'm reading, I'm reading my word, reading my word, and I don't really know what it's doing. And then someone comes up and says, oh man, I've really struggled this week with X, Y, and Z. And you think, God reminds you. He's like, oh man, you just read about this in, in your Bible reading this week. And you can share a verse with someone. So why do we encourage you to share verses with each other, pray for each other? Someone might be struggling, and God might bring to remembrance a verse you read six weeks ago. I remember like once I was, uh, I was away on this Christian camp, and I was, I was, I was praying and uh, I was reading my Bible, and I got this verse that I felt like was from the Lord, and I shared it with this guy, I went up to him, and I went, Simeon, I feel like God's laid this verse on my heart, and I, I gave it to him, I shared it, expecting, like, big things, and he just went, cool, I'll think about it. Um, <laughs> and I just left, like, that was dumb. Why did I do that? Did I just want that for myself? I walked away from a bit, bit, bit gutted. But then a year later, I came back on the same, same camp, saw him again, and he comes up to me, he goes, oh, thank you so much for sharing that verse with me. Because it didn't apply to him then, but he said, but this is the verse that has been carrying me through the whole year, and God has been using this whole year when I've been doubting, when I've been struggling. And so we give away the fruit, God bears the fruit in us, we give it away, and God uses that fruit as he wants. We don't force it, we just let it happen. So this is it, we're meant to grow, we're meant to bear fruit in the season. And then it says this. It says this. It says it yields its fruit in the season. We've just done that. And it says his leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers. Don't worry. On the prosperity bit I'm not going to get all healthy, wealthy and wise. And just thinking like if it was really like oh all you do you prosper and I'm like man I would be driving a Mercedes right now not a beat up Hyundai. But anyway it's not meaning that. Thank you Lord. But this is the thing, we're going to get onto that, and we're going to get onto the, the fact about withering, right? Withering and prospering. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be juicy and good the whole of our lives. It doesn't mean that actually, you know, every, we're not going to struggle with things. But when we're planted in God's word, when we're rooted in God's word, we have his word, we have him close to us to know how to face things in life. When things come up, when struggles come up, when the sun beats down on us as trees, we've got that word that's sustaining us, that we can come to day in, day out, knowing how to face not only the life struggles, but how to face them with God. And I've put this in my notes. I put potted, plea or, potted plant or tree. Because we're connected and rooted in God's word. We're meant to be trees. But sometimes we treat ourselves like potted plants. You leave it on the side, right? A tree has got that word of God less like feeding it properly all the time. But sometimes we treat ourselves like potted plants where we just like, oh, we'll top ourselves up every 
is it every Sunday? You know, when you have your plant and you're like, oh, I haven't watered that for a long time, it's starting to die. I actually killed quite a few plants doing that because I just forgot about them. But when it starts to wither, when it starts to flag, then you're like, oh, I'll give it a bit of water. Then it will come back to life again. It comes back to life for like a few days, and then you forget to water it for another week, and then it starts to die again, and you just top it up. And you're like, why is my plant not growing? I was like, because it's not planted, it's not rooted. You're not looking after it. And if we're meant to be trees, right, in God's word, we are meant to have God consistently plugging us with his word. We're supposed to be in the word, knowing him, growing in that. But sometimes we treat ourselves like the potted plant, which just gets topped up on a Sunday when John comes to preach. Because if you think, right, getting topped up requires someone else to do it. Are we just... Are we just facing the week without God's word and then thinking, oh, John will come and pour some water on my head in his sermon? Or I'll go, to, I'll go to one home group, the first home group I've been to in like a year. Maybe then I'll just get like a few sprinkles of water. And we wonder why we're still withering, why we're still struggling in life when we just completely reject the water for the rest of the week. You wouldn't go through all of this week, right, surviving on that tea and coffee break, would you? You'll be like, right, I'm going to have to like, neck loads of gallons of water because I've got to survive for the next week. No, you drink water daily, otherwise you would die. And so why do we do this when we come to God's word? Why do we just like, let ourselves flag for a while but not actually keep ourselves rooted in God? And it says that every, everything, it says everything that he does prospers. And this is not prospering in whatever we do, like, oh, I'm just going to get what I want. But this is prospering in, in how God sees it. If we seek and desire God through his word, he's going to grow us to want him more, to love him more. And our desires is going to be more like God. And we're going to prosper in knowing God, loving God, being more like him, and blessing his kingdom. When we come to God's word, we get to know him better and be more like him. And so we prosper in knowing that actually we can be more like Christ because he's doing that work in us. It's not based on us to grow. It's not us that forces the growth. It is him that makes us prosper. And our desires will line up with what God desires for us. And he will make that prosper because he makes things happen. And like I said with the blessings, like I said in the first point about how much God offers us, right? How many times do we complain that we don't grow, but we never spend any time in God's word? God sets the standard for growth. He sets the definition for growth. Like the blessings that he gives us, he sets them in his word. He sets what growth is. You're not going to know what growing is if you don't know what the standard for growth is, what God says, this is what growth looks like. And if you're not coming to his word consistently, we're not rooted in it, we're not going to know this. If we want to grow properly, if we want to grow in our faith, which can happen, if we want to grow in our knowledge and love of God, which can happen, believe me, it can. God has promised it. We need to come completely to his word and see this is what God spells out as growth. And we could do, again, we're, going, we're doing that in our one another series. We're, doing, we're going through his words, seeing what it means to grow and love and serve one another. But we won't know that if we don't come to the word. See, in Ephesians 4.25, it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. These are three things to grow in. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, and forgiveness. Tender-heartedness and forgiveness. As God in Christ forgave you, as we know God and see what he's done to us, that's how we love and serve those around us. That's how we demonstrate that. That's how we grow, by knowing what Christ has done for us and knowing him and demonstrating that to everyone else. So again, the challenge is, is are we consistently in God's word, seeing what he says growth is, seeing what he says he's going to do for us? Or are we just topping ourselves up like the potted plants on our windowsill, just doing enough to make sure we don't die? 
And oh man, I'm, this last point, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm running out of time. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna move fast through the next point, okay? Well, not fast, but I need to be on time. Um, anyway, and the last thing is what it means for us to delight in God's word. What does that actually mean for us? What does that imply for us? How do we actually, how do we actually do that? Like, what does, what is the implications for delighting in God's word mean for us? And what does it mean for those that reject God and his word? Because the psalmist in verse four to six, he says, the wicked are not so, they are like chaff that the wind drives away. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. And he gives this warning of actually, this is what happens. This is what it means for you who reject God's word. Because if we reject God's word, we reject him. We know God through his word. You know, we reject God's word and we become like chaff. The chaff is like the, the bit, the husk that's attached to grain kernels. And like it, think, it thinks it's got a root, it's held onto the grain, but when it really comes down to it, it's tossed up in the air. The chaff just blows away. And it kind of repeats from what we were talking about in our first point, is that actually, what are we rooted to? Are we rooted like a tree or are we chaff where we're putting our hope in the kernel or the grain or the things that we think, oh, we can get here. But actually, when it comes down to it, we just get separated and those things don't last and we just blow away. Those that choose our own way, us, of, us that say, you know what, God, I want to choose things that I, I want rather than you, rather than your word, because these are going to make me happy. It says there is only one way that leads, and that is not to God. It leads to destruction, it leads to judgment, means that we miss out on truly knowing God. Those of us that reject God, reject Christ and his word, ultimately reject him forever. And that's a sobering message because we all know people, most of us are, are Christians, most of us believe, some of us may not be. But most of us know people that are, are separated from Christ. We know people that are rejecting him and going their own way. And we're not doing anything about it to pray for them, to share Jesus with them. Now, the Bible is very clear on what happens. The psalm here is very clear on what happens when you reject God and reject his word. And this should spur us on to evangelize, to witness to those around us, friends, family. But the good news is this. It says, the wicked will not stand in the righteous, with the righteous. They will not stand in the congregation of the godly. The Lord watches over the righteous. And who are the righteous? Those that have put their faith in Jesus. See, our righteousness doesn't come from our own. It is by trusting in Jesus. It is by seeing what Jesus has done for us. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, he says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. We sung it in like before the throne. It said, um, Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness. And later we sung, you know, just a bit after that, it said, One in himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. See, this is the good news, is that there is a sobering warning of actually what happens when we reject God and reject his word and where that leads us. But what it means for us to actually follow God's word, actually come to God, know God. We know not just God, we know him who he sent. We know Christ Jesus. And God has sent Jesus to be the one that we know, to be the one that saves us. in his word we see what Jesus has done for us we see how Jesus paid for our sins on the cross how Jesus who knew no sin Jesus who was perfect took all our suffering our punishment upon him so that we might be his righteousness so that we might be right with God 
And that is another reason we can delight in God's word, because we don't just know him. We know Jesus, whom he sent. And we can get to know him as a personal saviour, no longer far off, separated. One who's been brought near by his blood. And in his word, it tells us that actually what that means, how we do that. It tells us about how we have to have faith in him, to put our faith in him, how we have to repent, turn from our sins, ask the Lord for forgiveness. It gives us assurance of that when we do that, we're not going to be separated from him. That's what it means for us to delight in God's word. That's what it means for us to know God. And in response to that, that's why we continue to read God's word and do what he says. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We see in God's word that we can know him and know what he's done for us. And in response, live out his word that he has given to us. Be doers, not just hearers of the word, as James says. Cool. And I'm just going to finish up with these, just some practical, practical bits to help us. I know I've talked for a long time. You guys have been great listeners. But I'm just going to finish up with these few practical bits and kind of revisit verse 2 earlier, which is this. Uh, the blessed one, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. See, the thing is called God help me delight in your word. We don't just delight in God's word. We don't just enjoy it straight away by ourselves. We don't just read it and be like, oh, yeah. Sometimes you are. Praise God if you are super excited about that. But we need God's help. How often do we just read our Bible and just be like, here was a chapter from two Chronicles that I didn't get? I felt like that when John taught the whole of two Chronicles. That shows my heart though, doesn't it? But this is it. We need to ask God for our help. How often do we actually pray and say, God, help me understand this passage because I have no idea what's happening? I think Alan's going to talk on prayer in a little bit, how to, uh, I say a little bit, like a few weeks' time, how to delight in God's word, or no, how to delight in prayer. But if we're not asking God for help, asking God, God reveal this, God show this to me what I'm struggling with. God, see, asking God, God, how does this apply? Help me apply this to my life. We're just going to read it and just be confused. We're just going to read it and think, okay, it's cool, it's a set of words. And it says, day and night, now, you can take that literally as in, like, right, read it in the morning, read it in the evening. That's a good thing to do. We have a Bible plan that helps uh, do that. But it means consistently. We need to come consistently to God's Word and read it. If you think about, like, any hobby that you've done, right, any hobby that you're, you're good at, like, for me, it's guitar. It was a real struggle at the beginning, and I really didn't enjoy it that much. But the more that I consistently play guitar, the more that I came to it, the natural delight for playing guitar just came through. I just enjoyed playing it more because I was getting better. I could see the growth. If I only played guitar like twice and then left it for months and months on end, when I came back, I wouldn't be very happy because I'm like, I don't know anything. But you push through. You can't just automatically delight and stuff. You have to get through that struggle. And you have to do it consistently. If you want to be good at any hobby, anything you've done, you do it consistently. And the same with God's word. If we're not coming to it consistently, consistently, we're not going to grow in delight for it. And it's God that helps us do that delight. He's the one that helps us grow in that. The third one is meditate. He says meditate on, your, on the law. And this isn't just like, um, you know, kind of some like weird kooky thing when it says about meditation. But it means to actually take time, think through what you're reading. Ask questions of the text. It's what John teaches me. You know, so much we just read it and we're just like, oh man, I didn't get that. Well, I'm like, we didn't actually look at what words are written. We didn't actually think, oh, what does this word sacrifice actually mean? What does it mean that Jesus was crucified? You know, things like that. We're like, yeah, Jesus was crucified. Yeah, that means he hung on a cross. Like, what does that imply? Think about it. Like, actually take time to think about these things. So much we're just like, oh man, God... You really didn't grow me. I read your word this morning and nothing really happened. I'm like, yeah, but you gave God six minutes of your morning, three of which you were barely awake. The other three, you were sat there thinking, don't spill my coffee. Where the heck is Psalms? 
and, uh, oh, who's just text me? And that's the level of concentration we give to God's word. And then we just go, well, God, you didn't show up. Like, but did we barely show up? You know? You read a chapter and you're just like, okay, cool. And then if someone says, what was, what was that chapter about? You're like, I don't know. We went to meditate on it, read it consistently, meditate well, ask things about it, pray it through, think about how does this apply to me. If you're really stuck, God's given us so many blessed teachers, so many blessed commentaries, stuff like that, that we can, so many resources that we can use to help understand. Even in parts of this psalm, I was like, I don't know what's going on. I had to ask other people, I had to go to commentaries to help get some understanding. Meant to meditate on it. And the last one, and I promise this is the last thing I'm going to talk about, and then I'm going to pray, is remembering the reason. Because ultimately, the reason we can delight in God's word and the reason we come to it is because we get to know him. We get to know Jesus. It is not just an instruction manual, like do this and then you'll be all right for heaven. We'd all be Pharisees if that was the case. Jesus is very much like, no, don't do that. It's not about just following rules. It's not about just saying, this is what we've got to do. It's not just like joyless, soulless stuff. The reason we come to God's word is to know Christ. The reason we come to God's word is to grow in him and to know him as a personal father. That's why we come to the word. That's why we can delight in it, because it is God who we know through it. Dear Lord God, thank you that you have given us your word and it is not just a book of stuff, a book of instructions, but it says that all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is inspired by God, Lord. The whole counsel of the Bible, the whole counsel of the word is your words to us. I thank you that your word speaks to us still, that it is not redundant. It applies to us in all generations, Lord. Lord, and I pray that you would give us a desire to delight in your word. I pray, Lord, that you would change the perceptions of our hearts as to why we come to the word, or actually what the word is. Change our hearts, change our perceptions. I pray, Lord, that you would help us just to come to it and know you, that our desire for reading the Bible wouldn't just be to appease you, or to do it because we have to, but because we get to know you. Lord God, I pray that, and I pray, I pray that, Lord. Let that be the desire of our hearts. Let that be the delight. Let our delight not be just in Bible knowledge, but our delight be in you and the Son that you sent to save us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.